Do you know how to listen? I mean, really listen. Did you ever take a class in listening? Go! Hello and welcome to Fuse from PRCA, the podcast for marketing, public relations and communications professionals. My name's Dan Gold and on this episode, Patrick Melville of Melville Mental Solutions joins us to talk about mental health, listening and so much more. If this is your first time listening or watching Fuse, please take some time to check out our previous episodes where we touch on everything from the automobile industry to public relations in China. But before you go browsing, I would like to introduce Patrick Melville. Thank you so much for joining us here on Fuse. It's a delight to have you here. It's 2023. We have come to the other side of the pandemic. The world is a changed place. The challenges that we face are the same as we have always had, plus new ones. And we're in this situation where, a bit like this, part of work is remote. We don't have those connections that we had before. And part of it is still in person. Then there's concerns and stress around that that came as a result of the pandemic. On top of normal life, whatever we call normal these days. It's it's a challenge. Firstly, thank you for joining us on the podcast. And secondly, um, what, what, what are your views as a professional over the last few years? How hopefully we've been kinder to each other and accepted change or maybe got better with change? That's a really good point to start with. And thank you very much, Dan and um, uh, PRCA for getting me on. Change is a funny word. It's a big word. We don't actually really like change because we like keeping where we are. We have that continuity, that control, that certainty, and of course, that forecast that we know what to expect. We don't really like change, especially when it's not under our control. And that lockdown was a very good demonstration of that. Uh, some people actually enjoyed being stuck at home. Some people actually really hated it. And everyone had their own experience. Everyone had to change. My thoughts are that, you know, and as you said, there's, there's such big changes, they'll never go back to normal. Some pe- and that's the challenge that we all have, to find that balance, to be able to understand what changes can we accept, what changes can we adapt to, uh, and of course, how can we manage those? So, for example, I could still give my workshops online. I gave them to uh, organizations all over the globe and, of course, all over England as well because people, if anything, had more time to be able to manage a change. In fact, there was less change for them in a workspace when they were working. And, of course, in the PR industry, there's always a new story to talk about, isn't there? I hope that sort of gives a little status that change is okay, but sometimes we just don't have that natural sort of embrace of change it's quite normal from your perspective just just looking at change and the challenges that we face on on a day-to-day basis the dynamics of our relationships have been altered and how we interact with each other through the different dynamics of the workplaces and expectations have also changed in your experience the pressure that we we experience that we feel when expectations 
again, go through that period of change, but maybe from a managerial perspective or from a communicating with a client perspective, what are the challenges or the opportunities that we have to get things back on track to really make a statement that this isn't working for me as a human being or identifying that there's a problem in the first place to be able to then go, I need to do something or something needs to be done? So... One of the key words which has come up during lockdown and straight afterwards, and it's something that we all have is because we're social animals, is relationships. There are always two ways. And of course, the challenges are based around these relationships. Expectations. One of the key things that I talk about is the power of sharing. Because if we don't, then our minds tend to try and translate it in our own way. So if I can mention my story, so I was diagnosed with terminal cancer, but it took me three weeks to actually get to that point. The symptoms had, had come into play, but I had to find ways to share this, the, this extreme sort of trauma I was having. And I realized being honest is the best way to get help. And I think that is also because it gets the relationship in. I'm being honest. I'm getting that help. So going back to this relationship between staff, line managers, and a little group here, and then obviously everyone else in the company, it's about two, about this honesty, driving this honesty, but two ways. So of course, it's asking that question. Some companies actually don't bring that question in. They wait. I'm a mental health first aid England instructor. For those of you who don't know, that's an accredited company. Let me just get something out. You might recognize it. That trains people to be a mental health first aid. So one side, as I was saying about these relationships, is actually getting these people trained. And they wait in their office. They are on their phone for, for any occasion where someone might report someone who's actually out of character and might need some mental guidance. But of course... They sit there. The other side is obviously the, the individual normalizing that phrase to be able to go and get that help. And I think that relationship is the street, is a key way to understand. But of course, that word trust comes into it. Who are you going to trust talking to? Companies that have that are the ones that are able to adapt quicker and help manage that change. So from that perspective, it becomes really interesting that there's got to be the trust there's got to be the relationship as you've said but there's also got to be a sense that someone can self-identify that they are in that situation but you know my one of my old bosses joe he said for years it's pr not er and he was of course right but that didn't escape or it didn't um, give any relief from the situation of working in public relations and communications and marketing. And when you're dealing with a big event or a big global whatever it is, or even a, a single thing uh, for a client and the expectations and the pressure that's put upon you, uh, that you feel you do tend to internalize it. You don't want to show weakness, um, which is, in my mind, a toxic thing if you feel that you have to hide that um and where does it where does it come in terms of education for corporations 
uh, we're, we're getting better with diversity, equity and inclusion, but are we really getting there in terms of looking at mel- mental well-being yes. for our colleagues? That's a very good point. One of the key learnings I'd like people to, un- to understand is the power of sharing. It's a big word. It's quite natural, just a bit of backwards education about our minds. Our minds are built on two sides. One is defensive which is obviously where we get those feelings of negative conversations where we don't like change. And the other side is being pro-social because we're social animals. Okay. Being defensive means that we don't want to share it. And if we don't share it, then our mind will try and translate what, what the hell is going on. What is the scenario? Why is it happening? And even harder is what the outcome will be. It doesn't know the thoughts of the other people. It doesn't know the situation. And we'll have to assume something which can lean on being defensive. That's why in some ways we don't like the idea of sharing it because we're predicting what someone might do. So the word assumptions actually is quite, um, can be quite misleading. When we share, we, we're putting our, our words out there. It can articulate the situation. Again, this is why, why PR and events like that are so strong because they articulate what a client is trying to do. It's articulating what the issue is. And when you articulate it, you can actually hear yourself and you realize that actually things might not be as bad as I can or even better in this multi-million pound business of life coaches. I don't know if you've interviewed life coaches. Life coaches have got a good job. They're not actually the ones who give answers. What they're doing is they're getting the person, a bit like myself now, to talk, to find the goal is for for a, life, for a life coach, is to get their clients to find out their own answers. So they just sit there, encouraging in irrelevant ways. So that, that's why sharing is such a good way. Of course, you need to create boundaries, but sharing is a really good starter to do that. In company, where can that be? And that's obviously, we can follow up, but um, I, I think that's a good starter. The goal is to get people to share. Um, when it comes to the fear, because inevitably, when we acknowledge something, there can be a fear of what am I going to do or what's it going to be like or, you know, re- will it really make any difference? Will my colleagues in this high pressure environment look at me differently? Will they treat me differently? Will I not, you know, once something's identified, will I not be able to to be on my game because I'm hold, then holding myself back compared to my colleagues who are just going to go for it. Tell me about the upside, because after people get to that stage of identifying that there's something that can be worked on, improved, and help can be sought, there is that upside, the benefit, the health side of it. Exactly. So a lovely... I love that point of fear. There are two sides. One, is it okay to have fear? Yes, it is. That's the way we're built. It goes back to our defensive and proactive. So defensive, I mean, fear is about protecting ourselves, alerting ourselves of what might be around us. And of course, it's actually a good thing to have. But of course, if we focus too much on it, then that can deviate us from what the actual situation is happening. So the goal is to learn from fear. Why are you feeling like that? Is there something that you can change? Is there something that you should investigate with someone else? Perhaps it's your team. What is the fear to have? 
again, we're social, we work together. There's a lovely story about Neanderthals and Homo sapiens and how we evolved at the same time. Neanderthals were smarter, bigger, and stronger, so we didn't really have a chance. What we learned quicker through our minds was about socializing, taking that fear together and taking on these Neanderthals. So one to seven of us in a group would, would, would be pushed away if not killed. Eight of us and bigger actually took on the Neanderthals and that's, that's why they disappeared. That's why we've evolved. So I hope that makes sense in terms of fear is okay. It's how you manage it it's ex- and learn from it. Learn from it because if you ignore it, then it becomes a negative thought and it becomes a worry that maybe isn't existing. It can overtake other things. It's focusing on it. And if anything, it can help us to learn. You know, like making a mistake. You learn from the mistakes. And, and let's face it. If we draw a parallel, if we may, if we draw a parallel, um, let's say that men aren't exactly the greatest at going to the doctor when there's a lump or when there's an issue, when they know there's something happening and it's put it out of your mind, it'll disappear, it'll go. And I can't speak for women because, you know, that's that's not necessarily my personal experience. But um, from from my perspective, have there been moments in my life where I've gone, oh, there's a thing and I really should get to it. And then it nags and eats away at me and it it emotionally has that that impact that just keeps dragging you down and it's how do you get out of that cycle and you've you've said really clearly about you know the trust and the relationship and then the seeking help from a from a perspective of what you do with um organizations how do how do you help organizations give them a steer on how to help their people? Well, it's a classic uh, marketing brief. My background that's actually was 15 years before I uh, be- went into mental health practice was actually about that conversation. And it's in, in mental health and well-being terminology, it's called active listening. When I had multi-million pounds to spend, I was very popular. And it was a global budget for a global client. And the best sellers are the ones who actively listened. When in in PR, the best seller, the best idea providers are the ones who actively listen. They make sure they, it's part of a marketing skill to to show that they they understand their client. Not the the salespeople who came to me and gave a 55 slide presentation and then didn't actually really understand what my brief was because they thought they had to, their priorities were different. Does that make sense? We've all been there, haven't we? Conversations and you realize, yeah, I'm not going down the right path. So what I'm saying is active listening is a really strong skill. But I have to ask you, Dan, were you ever taught at school how to listen? Oh, absolutely not. There were there was there was never any focus on listening and thinking and consideration none of you know i mean it was the 80s i'm not blaming the 80s but if we're it wasn't only shell suits that had a problem back in the 80s and the early 90s exactly so one of the key things to learn is to accept and again it's that power showing that i've never been taught to listen i need some training we're taught to speak we're taught to write we're taught to read we're never taught how to listen yet we use it out of all our, out of all those four um, communication 
methods. We use it 42, 42% of our time. So listening is a really good starter point to demonstrate to your colleagues that you want to help them, that you're interested. And it develops that relationship again. Of course, as a conversation and finding that trusted person, if you've got the issue or you just want to share, don't have your assumptions here. You want to share it. Finding someone who's a good listener is a really good thing. And I know companies do that. And that's what I set up with organizations who, you know, help the good listeners, train managers to be good listeners. They're not going to cure. They're not going to sort out the problem necessarily, but it's very cathartic to be listeners like a life coach. So I'm I'm intrigued. I'm work I'm listening to this very podcast and I'm I'm sat there going, okay, I want to find out what pathways there are for making my organization better or empowering my colleagues or the first aid program that you were speaking of. For all of this information, give us a steer on where we can go for information to really help people. Yes. So there'll be lots of charities where you can go. And it depends. Again, it's kind of active listening to the company. Where are you on this process? Some companies like, I can't even spell the word mental health. There is something I would like to ask you. And this is for everyone, actually. So don't worry. Actually, I won't put you on the spot. But the point is, this is for listeners. Do Do you think that mental health, the phrase, is a neutral statement, positive statement, or negative statement? Have a think about it. And I know uh, if you want to go for it, Dan, please do. It's it's funny because we did some work um, a number of years ago when I was back in London and we were talking about the balance in, in public relations sense of when we're talking about general health, it's health. When we're talking about mental health, there are perception difficulties. But when we talk about mental wellness the perception was it came across as a more positive thing because you're talking of mental wellness where health itself is a good thing but it's the perception of the different phrases so exactly exactly and i think that's also the you know heart of pr it's about the words and it's the translation of those words and of course the industry is focused to translate it in a in a relevant way for a relevant client through a relevant channel but of course if I on the answer that question, the phrase is a neutral statement. You're either healthy or you're ill. Positive, negative. Now, you Google those words, you'll get, you'll get different ones for mental health. You'll get images of people crying. That's not correct, but that's the way Google works, isn't it? They just have images. Of course, with physical health, you get the opposite. People are really strong, happy, and, you know, enjoy a bit of stress because they're sort of building their muscles. The idea is that, that, so the reason I asked you that question is that's a very starter question. Companies are like, okay, cool. So now we can use a bit more. We can have different frames of reference. We can have different words. Then companies, of course, are really set up with this well-being culture. How can they evolve? And where I come in is that I'm a case of just listening to them. This is like taking a brief. This is what the PR industry is about, isn't it? What are your challenges? And we'll give you some solutions to do it. I mean, there are organizations like Mind, a very popular charity, which is a way to learn about mental health. They have online tools. There'll be other ones as well, um, as well as Mental Health Based Aid England, which is the, one of the sources. But it's about building the company culture, really bringing it to forth. I would even challenge you, your listeners, your viewers, 
can you bring it into a meeting with a client? That is the goal. I think that should be the goal. Maybe 2025. But the idea is say, we live in a stressful business. PR is one of the 10 most stressful industries in the country. Fact. So you say it to a client who, you know, might work not in PR, but be like, you know, they might work in pharmaceuticals or in retail. But what you're doing is you're saying to them, we're stressed, as in it's a stressful industry, but we've got the setup to manage working with clients. You know, from pitching to events, post-event analysis, all those things up and down, the fakeness that sometimes people have to do, you know, the kind of briefing they have to do, all those kind of things on a daily basis. But as I say, that we are a, I would challenge the, uh, some companies to say, well, we accept it. We've got people in set to build a program. So I, I'd love to say there's one or two ways people should look into, but it's understanding what the phrase means to the company, getting people getting by social as well. And of course, I would be very happy to, to follow up with that and to do some more, again, research, do some more conversations. Because like we're social, we're talking down, aren't we? We're sharing we're getting stuff out. We're creating the creative side of our minds to be able to find ideas and to ideally find out the answers. What could help? What is worth trying? From what you've observed, have you seen that certain uh, groups are warmer to the idea of seeking help or the way that they engaged in the sense of there's less resistance or by the time that they start speaking to you, are they already in that pathway of going, well, we've already had all those discussions. It's a big question because there are so many different types. And of course it, it, it really depends on the individual. It depends on the brand as well, because the brand might have different clients. You know, we are social, as I say, again, we are connected I mean, of course, according to statistic tax uh, stats, you know, ethnicities, you know, minor ethnicities, um, sort of uh, finances, uh, back, background will have an influence. And it's a difference of risk. What are the risk drivers to make people feel, you know, have mental worries and have mental perhaps issues versus protective factors? So I'd like to put them under those categories. And of course, some of the ones you've already said will have less protective categories generally as, as, as a society. But of course, in the, um, in the PR space, it's, it's based on the organization. I know there are groups of um, sort of agencies that are focusing on specific areas for, um, for mental health. So from their yeah, loads is physical health, literally those being disabled. And so it's promoting those different ways in different to show their understanding. So um, I hope that makes sense because it's such a big question. Of course, you will have neurodiversity there. You're going to have, you know, um, inclusion. But the key thing is, I'll flip it, is talk of when you when this comes to a scenario where a company wants to look at what they're doing, there are some factors that are, can be relevant for everyone. Take away something. It's called the frame of reference, for example. When you want to talk to someone, you don't assume what they're doing, what they're thinking, and you don't base it on your life experience. It's hard, very hard to do, but it's important when you want to even pitch to a client. You know, you're not telling them how amazing you are. That stuff is. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd flip it on th- focus on things that are relevant to everyone. You take away those things. I mean, 
you can tell by my skin color, I, my voice, I sound British. I am, but I'm originally, I'm from Colombia. So it's interesting that kind of, just get the conversation going. That's what you want to do. You want to show your interest to share and hear the other person or groups of people. Patrick, this is truly fascinating. I'm hoping that we can catch up again in some other way. And, um, you know, I know that there are other things happening with you and PRCA, so I'm very excited to hear about that as that moves forward and see all that happening. Um, Patrick, if people wanted to find out more information about you and what you do specifically, where could they go? Thank you. So my website is a very good place to start. It is www.com. Melville, M-E-L-V-I-L-L-E hyphen solutions.com. So that's, that's where you'll see my testimonials. I've done work in different sides of PR, marketing, and of course my story as well. I'm happy to talk about it, um, my health story. Thankfully I'm in remission, which is why I'm here talking about self-care and helping others and as well as the workshops and research and the articles that I write as well. Happy to have a conversation with anyone. Okay. Patrick, thank you for joining us here on Fuse. Thank you. Take care. All the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fuse. Please do share this with friends and colleagues and subscribe via your favourite podcast app. To watch these episodes in full, visit the PRCA's YouTube channel or visit prca.org.uk forward slash fuse.